Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New England Patriots. This is the Patriots Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Patriots Wire editor, Henry McKenna. Man, Henry, it's been a while since the Patriots got smacked in the mouth by the Rams, right? 24-3. That was on a Thursday night. It's now Wednesday night of the week after. But there's kind of a lot to unpack there. This weird thing with the Patriots quarterbacks and Belichick and Cam Newton, they're just... They continue to have this weird kind of marriage, and Stidham's the odd man out, right? Belichick hates Stidham, won't put him in the game. I, I got to give you props. Last week on our show, I said, look, Henry, if they get down by two scores, will they just bring in Stidham right away and have a chance to win? It's a must-win game. You can't mess around. I know Scott Zolak on the, bro- on the radio broadcast was freaking out over this very thing, but you were 100% right. You said, nope, they're going to stay with Cam even if that happens, and you were so right. They get down 17-3 to in the first half. Cam helps by throwing a pick six. The Patriots stick with Cam. They don't turn to Stidham until the ball game is basically over, 24-3, to with like 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter after the Patriots punt three times to start the second half. So kind of maddening there. And then I also want to talk today about the end of an era. The Patriots officially eliminated from AFC East title contention. They have won that thing 11 straight years that's an nfl record the previous record was like seven years in a row so the patriots smashed that thing it's the end of an era it's probably marks the end of the uh, dynasty as well the patriots are now officially rebuilding it's not gonna be long before they're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs too but let's start with belichick why don't we what do you make of this henry why does he hate stidham what what don't we know like let's be the fly on the wall let's speculate why does belichick hate stidham so much why won't he just put the kid in the game And why does he continue to stay married to Cam Newton when Cam is clearly showing us on the field that he can't get it done? It just, it it boggles my mind. Like, at what point is Bill going to give up on that thing and stop saying Cam is my quarterback every postgame and let nothing change? I'm just so confused. What do you think about it? Well, every time we've seen Stidham, he's actually not been, like, statistically better than Cam Newton. Yeah, I'll give you that. Stidham's quarterback rating for 2020 is 23.5. Now, you may be thinking... That is awful. Well, it is. Uh, and, <laughs> you read and my mind, yes. is only marginally better. Uh, it's, it's, it's 46.7, which is like, in theory, twice as good by those measurements. But it's, that's not that simple. So I would say that, that the reason why Belichick doesn't like Stidham is we've seen the body of work, a very small one and in very garbage time situations. But we've seen one. And Stidham has actually not been good. And those garbage time situations are often when it's easiest for a passer because the coverages are loose. They're trying to allow the opposing receivers to catch the football, preferably in the middle of the field where the clock will run. So you should, if you're a backup quarterback getting garbage time, you should actually have pretty good numbers. And Stidham doesn't. I think that's a part of it. And then, and then the other thing is, you know, you see Belichick sticking up for Cam Newton uh, with his mistakes 
we we see Belichick stick up for basically all his players after mistakes. Like he's not the, he's not Bruce Arians. He's not going to call out a um, a quarterback or running back or whatever True. Uh, for not playing well. Um, but I think there's some genuine defense of Cam Newton going on because Belichick earlier this season admitted that he couldn't put together um, the most competitive roster he would like because that roster. Uh, was limited by dead cap from people previous like Tom Brady and like Antonio Brown, who have a combined significant impact. They're both in the top, uh, I think, 15 in cap hits for this year. They're not even on the team, and they're in the top 15 in cap hits. So Belichick was limited in how he could build this team to the best of his ability, and and he knows that this team's not really supporting the quarterback in the way that it should. You know, Nikhil Harry struggling Demir Berg struggling Jacoby uh, Myers is actually playing well but not exactly the like number one or number two receiver that he's really like playing to be right now he's forced to be so that's what I make of this situation is Belichick's just like throwing Stidham into these garbage time periods now he Belichick made some weird sort of like disconnecting thoughts about how they put Sidham in to win the game, but Cam's their quarterback yeah. from now on. It's because the mixed messaging, right? It's confusing. It's mixed messaging. Yeah, I think Belichick is doing everything he can to make sure his players know that he's not trying to throw this season. That's kind of what's going on uh, in my mind is, you know, he took Cam out of the game because Cam was getting hit so much and he wanted to take care of Cam. And so when he said that they were trying to win with Stidham, that was not really – I don't think that was true. That That's sort of the one disconnect that didn't make sense. And, and I think the reason he said it was to preserve – and I think it's true. It's not an illusion, but to preserve the fact that the Patriots intend to win as many games as they can this season. Even, as you said, now that their playoff hopes are basically dead, they're at 2% of making the playoffs, according to 538. So he goes to Stidham – in the fourth quarter because he's protecting Cam because Cam's kind of getting beat up by that Rams defensive line. And obviously Bill hates Stidham, so why not let Stidham just get eaten alive by Aaron Donald and, and those guys? You know, that makes sense. Okay, that's that clears up one question for me. But for me, <laughs> as a Patriots fan, Henry, I'm watching the game, and it's 17-3 to at halftime, and you just know that the offense, yeah, they move the ball at times, but it just like the offense just felt so limited. You're... Your season's on the line. If we wanted to talk playoffs, they had to beat the Rams, right? And it's like, if you're going to try it, wouldn't that be the time? Start of the third quarter, come out of halftime, put Stidham in there, and just see it. Like, yeah, we've seen him in garbage time. He probably can't play. He sucks. But we've never really seen him get a chance yet. Throw him out there. Let's see it. Like, let's see. Let's change the offense up a little bit because... Yeah, the Patriots can move the ball at times, but then they get around the goal line, and it's like it's so freaking predictable now. It's like we all know that Cam's going to run the football at fourth and one or third and one near the goal line. Like it's just so predictable now. It's just maddening. It's like you bring in Stidham, a kid who maybe they didn't prepare for as much, and look for a spark and try to save your season. I don't know. It just felt like they were just they were just ready to die on that hill, man. Just like ready to just roll with Cam Newton, and no matter how bad he looked out there. And with all the pressure the Rams were putting on him, they just weren't going to, you know, they weren't going to try anything different. They're just like, this is what it is. And, and Belichick was fine to die on his sword there. And it's just like, it's weird to me. And it's frustrating as a fan. I think it, it's got to be frustrating for others. Like, what did Stidham do to Belichick? What did he do? Was it really the, 
the reports of him going to the wedding in the offseason? Is he really just a terrible quarterback? That story is very fascinating to me because, man, he's got to hate him. For Cam to play like he did in that game, for them to lose in that fashion, 24-3 to in a must-win game, and then for Bill to just emphatically defend Cam and say he's my quarterback and basically yell at all you reporters for uh, you know suggesting otherwise, it does. It boggles my mind. It's Belichick's stubbornness in in being more confident in Newton than Stidham. And he built this team around Newton. Like, this team's built for Cam. Yeah. It's not built well for Cam. <laughs> and McDaniels' play calling is really problematic. Sure. But Unimaginative, we could say, right? Yeah. So I think switching to, to Stidham has its own problems of, well, this team has an identity. That's what they said after they blew out the Chargers. They've got an identity, and they want to stay committed to it. And then they would they would immediately like lose that identity by moving to Sidham. So what is at stake is that if Belichick turns away from Newton during the season, he's going to have a hard time turning back to Newton at the end of this season and saying, hey, Cam, we want to resign you. We were loyal to you. I fell on the sword every time because we weren't supporting you. And that was the truth. And we know that you played well enough, so take another crappy uh, contract and let's run it back. And I think Belichick knows he's got a much easier time selling Cam Newton on running it back for like five, ten million next year with a better supporting cast if he doesn't take a look at Stidham. And they must think that Stidham really doesn't have much to offer if that's the case because, because they're like, clearly thinking Cam's the way to go in 2021. They need another bridge quarterback, which means they'll probably also be looking for another developmental one. They probably haven't given up on Stidham, but they, they probably, I mean, if he's not getting it yet, then they probably want another project at the position starting in the second half of 2021 or starting in 2022. Is Belichick just scheming to get Cam Newton next year on another crap contract? That makes a lot of sense in, how would you feel? How should Patriots fans feel about that? We're going to go through another season like 2020. Oh, man, that'd be really frustrating if that's the case. But that's where we are. The Patriots are rebuilding. Uh, they've, Like we said earlier, they've been knocked out of the AFC East title hunt. I want to talk about that. And there was one kind of little bright spot in the Rams game, and that was Nikhil Harry, who's taken a lot of heat. The broadcast was kind of roasting Belichick the whole time, talking about his poor drafting of wide receivers since 2010. We could talk about that. And why is there someone named the Footwork King mad at Henry on Twitter? Uh, We'll get into all that coming up next. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit him, start him. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from thehuddle.com. It's week 15 of the fantasy football season, and if you're listening, that likely means you have advanced in the fantasy football playoff. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com, here to help you with some strong plays to get you into the championship round. This one may make gamers uncomfortable, but Jalen Hurts, the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles at the Arizona Cardinals, is a strong play. In the last seven weeks, five different quarterbacks have at least 22 fantasy points against Arizona, and three of those efforts were good for at least 26 fantasy points. The two bad games came from Cam Newton and Daniel Jones. Hurts, a rookie, 
made his NFL debut as a starter last week, and he acquitted himself well enough. His major upside comes from his legs, but the game wasn't too big for him in last week's debut. That said, he's best to use in two quarterback setups. Running back Jeff Wilson Jr. at the Dallas Cowboys. The 49ers may be without Raheem Mostert once again with another ankle injury, and Wilson is the likeliest place to turn for the offense that is struggling for a spark after poor quarterback play and the loss of Debo Samuel. Only Houston has allowed more rushing yards per game in 2020, and the position has scored 13 times on the ground versus Dallas. Wilson may struggle to matter without finding the end zone, so understand there is a little bit of a gamble here. Wide receiver Keelan Cole of the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore has given up four touchdowns in his past three outings, and the positional defense has been relatively soft in that time. It ranks 39% easier to exploit than the league average, and nine receivers have at least 10 PPR points against the Ravens in the last four games. Don't be scared off by the name brand of the matchup. Cole benefits from having Gardner Minshew back in the lineup and offers utility as a wide receiver three or a flex in PPR setups. Irv Smith Jr., the Minnesota Vikings versus the Chicago Bears. Prior to missing a few games of various injuries, Smith has flashed a few times, going for 10 points or more in three of the four appearances before getting hurt. He returned in week 11, only to get injured for two more weeks. Then he came back for a line of 4-63-1 against Tampa Bay last week. The Bears are the second weakest defense in the last five weeks at controlling tight ends, and if Kyle Rudolph sits one more time, Smith is a strong play for a touchdown in this divisional matchup. For more fantasy football news, tips, and advice, be sure to check out thehuddle.com. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Henry, so Nikhil Harry, we've been waiting to see something out of this kid. We joked a couple episodes ago that he was uh, a blocking wide receiver drafted in the first round. We had some fun at his expense there. I've been actually speculating at the Patriots, and I've read a little bit about the, the Patriots trying to move him to tight end. Could Nikhil Harry someday be a tight end? Uh, I was going to throw that question at you at some point this year. But it looked like Nikhil Harry, the receiver, he actually made some plays in this game where you're like, huh, okay, like attacking the ball, coming back to the ball, making some athletic plays, stuff that we expected to see from this kid on film coming out of college when we saw all the highlights of him when the Patriots made the pick. So that was encouraging. A decent day for Nikhil Harry. It was good to see that. Can he build on it? That's interesting. And you were interested in it as well, Henry. You wrote a story about Nikhil Harry. You actually talked to his trainer. His trainer is named Rashad Whitfield, and he is known as the Footwork King, right? And I just want to let you address this real quick because there's a little bit of a little bit of a Twitter thing going on where the Footwork King is mad at you because he thinks that he was misquoted in your story, but you're standing by your reporting. Basically, the story was Cam Newton's a little bit. He has a little bit to do with Nikhil Harry's struggles this season, and you didn't put all the blame on Newton, but you said according to the trainer. Cam Newton has had a little bit of a role in it, and I think that's fair reading the quotes, but what do you, what do you think about your discussion with the trainer and him being all mad at you on Twitter now, calling you out, and now his following on Twitter, which is, which is kind of big, is coming after you with the pitchforks and the torches. They're coming after poor Henry McKenna of the Patriots Wire. So what's your thoughts on all this, this whole situation right now, Henry? Yeah, I mean, so when he and I got on the phone, I wanted to talk to him about the the, the game against the Rams and, and how Nikhil Harry played well. And so R- Rashad and I got to talking about that. He hadn't watched the film on 
the game yet, though. So we were kind of talking about other plays throughout the year, and Rashad was talking about how Nikhil was sort of like doing a great job. And, you know, I was I was being polite to a degree, being like, sure. But then he was like, you know, Nikhil uh, was a first-round pick, and this is the year he has to has to live up to it. And so I was like, yeah, but but his production hasn't really looked like a first round pick should in in a second year. And that's when Rashad got to talking about Cam Newton, who I, who I didn't even bring up. And Rashad was talking about how, you know, Cam Cam's not been playing well. Cam needed more time to acclimate to this offense. And so basically when I brought up the lack of production, Rashad started pointing toward Cam Newton. And I approach every story with the utmost care for accuracy, which is why when Rashad claimed that I misquoted him, I responded on Twitter that I stand by my reporting. The quotes that he gave me were accurately transcribed um, for the story, and he gave me those quotes on record. So I'm not really sure what problem he has with it. I mean, he, he clearly said what his problem was, but it's, but I, I sort of stand by my reporting, and so that's kind of what it is. Um, the story, the story stands, and I think Rashad maybe is feeling uncomfortable with what he said. So, you know, check that story out on Patriots Wire. Uh, you know, I it's a good read with interesting quotes from Nikhil Harry's trainer. And uh, but what you see from Nikhil in this game, Henry? I mean, he he had some wow factor. It's like you even tweeted about it during the game. And you're like you're nodding your head almost. Like you're like okay, like where has this been? Like, this is what we've wanted to see. Like, I don't want to use the word soft. I, I hate using that word, but we haven't seen Nikhil go beast mode. And there was a couple plays in this game where he went beast mode. It was like, that's what I'm talking about kind of thing. Like, what do you think about his game on uh, Thursday night? Totally. Yeah. The more that we see those kinds of plays, the more you, you think back to what he did in college. And the more I actually think back to something Herm Edwards told me, immediately after the Patriots drafted Nikhil, which was be patient, be patient with this guy. He's going to need time. Now, this was another thing that Rashad and I talked about on the phone call. It's a thing that Herm Edwards and I talked about. It's a thing that ASU receivers coach Rob Likens and I talked about. It's that the ASU offense demands almost zero uh, intellectual challenges from their receivers they get signaled their route from the sideline and then the player just runs the route they don't have to have a big picture understanding of what the play design is they don't have to understand how their route should change in coverage they really just have to do one thing and the patriots offense cannot be more different than that they hope that you know what every receiver is running on the play they're not going to tell you what your route is they call the play you have to know what your route is and then your route could include a number of options where if you read the coverage one way, which has to be the exact same way that the quarterback reads the coverage, then you have to run the route like a slant. If you read the coverage differently, you have to run the route like a fade. So it requires in, in full speed players to be making decisions that need to be in sync with the quarterback. It's not unique. Other NFL offenses are sort of like this. But the Patriots is is often considered the, one of the more complicated in the league, which is why a receiver like McKeel has trouble transitioning to the NFL because 
not only is he dealing with the physical challenges of going against, you know, the top quarterbacks in the Pac-12, which are not at the same caliber as the top quarterbacks in the NFL, but he's also got the mental challenges of making the right decision on any given play and understanding the playbook and understanding opposing defenses. So he had a lot to learn and a lot to do. And he only had half of a rookie season and he got injured in the middle of this season. So I think that like, you know, I wrote a, a little like mini column on Nikhil earlier this season, which was like Nikhil Harry's doing nothing to upend his bust label. Now I don't think that he's like a bust yet because of all the things I've heard about him from those around him that there is still this chance that he can really like get it. But those chances that he's getting are dwindling because we're going to look at next season. Julian Edelman will probably be back. We could see Demir Bird back. We're definitely going to see Jacoby Myers back. And then everybody's clamoring for Patriots to get a tight end. Yes, and, please, please get a tight end. Thank you, Henry. And the top on. receiver because that's because that's what the Patriots really need to do. They yes. need they need one big talent at both positions. And if they do that, if they get another receiver and they get another and they get a tight end, that's going to push Nikhil Harry down the food chain in New England. But getting back to your original question, <laughs> which was those flashes of of brilliance on on Thursday night against the Rams. I think it was I think it was impressive. I mean, Newton lobs up a pass to the sideline and Harry gets a 30-yard contested catch. And that's something that Rashad Whitfield and I talked about. It's like Harry needs less separation than you think because of his physicality. And we're starting to see that is that he doesn't need to be wide open. He will help the quarterback make the play that needs to be made. You know, these, these flashes are here, and it's a matter of whether Nikhil over the next three weeks can have them show up much more regularly to, to sort of establish himself for 2021. I'm willing to cut the kid some slack. He's, he's a big part of it. He's, well, he's one of Belichick. As, as the broadcast tried to shove down our throats, Henry, d- during the game on Thursday night, Nikhil's one of only two players at the position Bill has drafted since 2010 that are still active in the NFL. Braxton Berrios with the Jets is the other one. He barely even freaking counts because he's playing for the Jets. So, uh, yeah, so that whole thing. So Nikhil is here. Cut him some slack because he's part of a rebuild. That's where we are with the Patriots. As Henry said, 2% chance to make the playoffs. They've been eliminated from the AFC East, and I think they're a, a long way away from the Bills right now. The Bills are separating. Let's talk about it a little bit coming up next. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of Sportsbook Wire and Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm joined by my colleague Jeff Clark. To break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 15 Monday Night Football game, between the Pittsburgh Steelers and Cincinnati Bengals. The Steelers come in as 12-point favorites on the road, minus 110 odds to win by at least 13 points. Jeff, how does Cincinnati and the Bengals cover this 12-point spread at home? 
Well, Pittsburgh is very one-dimensional right now. Their running game has fallen off the cliff, and even their wide receivers have been dropping balls. So give me the double digits at home with a division opponent. Also, this could be a quintessential look-ahead spot for Pittsburgh, who's got Indy and Cleveland coming up. They've had tough games leading into this. Steelers, well-coached team with Mike Tomlin. Lost two games in a row. They need to get back on track. No better spot to do it than against the Bengals team. They beat 36-10 to 10 in Week 10. Give me the Steelers, minus 12. They win by two scores. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. So we knew it, Henry. We knew when Tom Brady signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that the Patriots would, uh, this would be a different season. This would be unlike anything we've ever experienced, and it really is, right? Before Christmas, the Patriots are basically out. As we've said earlier on in the show, they had a stretch of 11 consecutive division titles. That streak started when Brady came back from his ACL tear. And now it ends with Brady playing in Tampa Bay and the Patriots trying to figure out their whole thing without the greatest quarterback of all time. And I think this is a really interesting time in franchise history, right? It really does officially signal the start of this new era. Now, we knew it was a different, we, we knew it was a transition year anyway. But Belichick is 68 years old. You have to wonder how much longer he's going to do this, especially if the team continues to suck in the next few years. Is Josh McDaniel still the successor? Remember when he was like getting on a plane to become the head coach at Indianapolis and Robert Kraft kind of pulled him off the plane or whatever that story is? Like, is he still the guy? Like, I think we're, in, we're entering a really interesting time for the franchise, a time of change. And I look at Belichick and I'm wondering, like, How long is he still going to be here for this second thing? Like that first thing with Brady, that dynasty, that thing is, I think we now put a bow on it and we're now in a new phase. And you wonder how long Belichick's going to want to stick around for that. It will be interesting this year. You know, I think best case scenario this year is what, what we'll sort of consider a lost year uh, in Belichick's career, um, a transition year. Now, worst case, this is what, the future looks like for bill belichick for the next few years because i mean if he's going to stick around for five more um that is a pretty short period to find a serviceable quarterback and start winning games i mean especially when the team looks this bad you can tell he is coaching his butt off like he is this is one of the best coaching jobs i've ever seen um from him and actually i was on the phone with uh a, a former head coach and general manager by the name of Dave Wanstead, who um, he worked for the uh, the Dolphins after yeah. that. One of the greatest um, mustaches in NFL history. I, I know Dave. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As someone who just shaved my mustache, <laughs> I only aspire to something that bushy. <laughs> but um, he, he, uh, he, he was interesting. He was talking about the, the pursuit of the next uh, Dan Marino and how and how you know, he, he, he actually said in, in the conversation, he was like, I was never going to try and look for the next Dan Marino. And then later in the the exact same quote that he was giving me, like, you know, he goes, 
and then we were looking for the next San Marino. It was like <laughs> it sort of encapsulated unintentionally this feeling that I'm sure all general managers have when they lose the best player um, on their team and and really like you know the at a position where the player has to be at least good and probably great. You know, there's that feeling of wanting to find the next one. And and Bill Belichick's probably thinking about that, even though he would never, ever, ever admit it. He's looking for the next Tom Brady. This year, they don't they certainly don't have it. And we saw that this roster was sort of in decline last year with how they faded in the regular season and then lost in the playoffs. So it, it will be fascinating just like it was unfortunately the storyline is very similar to what we were thinking eight months ago when tom brady left is that i don't know what i don't know time anymore it was probably like four months ago whatever when tom brady left in march right that signaled a massive shift in history and now we're still going to be talking about the same things which is like how do they replace him and you know it's a question of how long bill belichick wants to stick around and do that does he want to bail out and be like you know what I I tried for two seasons and and I'm just gonna kind of let my legacy be good with uh, with Brady or does he really want to like bunker down and just like spend five years trying to like win another Super Bowl or even just try and make the playoffs like I mean realistically like we have all the faith in the world in Bill Belichick but you have to see the the parity that is the NFL and and the truth is, is that even good coaches, even good franchises struggle to make the playoffs after being a franchise, a dynasty. Mm-hmm. So it is just, it, there's so much uncertainty yeah. ahead. It's like, it's unsettling. It's an interesting the, time. Yeah, there's no doubt. It's an interesting time. And you look at a team like the Buffalo Bills, right, Henry? The, a team that hasn't been in the playoffs since the 90s, literally since Drew Bledsoe was running around for the Patriots, right? And Pete Carroll and all these guys. Like, this is what we're talking about. And uh, now you're looking at the Bills, and this is what the Patriots are trying to get to. We're trying to get to where the Bills are with a good, ascending, young superstar quarterback in Josh Allen, which I, I think he's a big stud. I think there's no debating that anymore. And that whole thing. The, the Bills are on the come now. I think they're the gap between the Bills and the Patriots is wide, and it's growing. And all of a sudden, the Patriots are that rebuilding team that is knocked out of the playoffs with three weeks to go, basically. I mean, I know they got a 2% chance. They're mathematically still alive. But, you know, you could write a whole article on Patriots Wire. And I'm sure you already have about all the scenarios that need to break the Patriots way for them to get in. It's not happening. They're, they're done. And that's like Bill's stuff. That's not Patriots stuff that we're used to around here. So... That is just such an interesting thing, right, Henry? Seeing the Bills kind of build and build and build and try and get there. And as a Patriots fan now, you're hoping it doesn't it doesn't take that long to get there. Like, hopefully this doesn't take decades to get back. Uh, but you never know. You've got to find that quarterback. It took the Bills forever to find Josh Allen. And uh, you talked about Bill finding that next guy. Hopefully it comes sooner than later, you know, because Bill's 68 and uh, I don't know. But I just find that very interesting, too. Like, seeing the Bills, they're surging. I think they're right there nipping at the Chiefs' heels in the AFC there. I think they're a legit Super Bowl contender already, never mind for years to come. And it's just interesting now in the AFC East, it's it feels like it's their division. And even your Dolphins look good, who the Patriots are playing this week. Like Your Dolphins look like they're set up for success as well. And now the Patriots are chasing those teams. It is 
weird. It's weird after winning the division 11 straight years and just kind of bookmarking that top four seed no matter what. Usually the you know, you're one of those top two teams in the bye in past years. Man, it's it's an interesting time to be a Patriots fan. There's no doubt about it. I love that they're my Dolphins. <laughs> well, you picked them in the for like our first episode. You were all on I the know, Dolphins. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. And, and then I had to adopt them forever. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think the craziest thing about the the, the 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 place that the Patriots are in is that it's it's sort of worse than it was a year uh, in March because the Patriots still have all of the same questions, but they do not have the what is we're realizing now a sort of false confidence that Bill Belichick will actually cure all woes because Belichick hasn't been able to cure all woes this year. Now, he made some excuses about cap management that he set up for himself. Kind of bogus. I I will allow them for this year. But next year, he's got middle of the the first round draft pick. He's got um, a full arsenal of draft picks with the exception of the third rounder they lost for – Spygate 2.0, <laughs> which was videotaping the Bengal sideline. Yeah, Jesus, and don't then, get me started. <laughs> and then he's got all the salary cap space in the world in, in a time when nobody else has salary cap space. So they're in a position of significant power. So the rebuild should be on, and it should be quick. It should be good next year. And like you said, it is a very strange place for Patriots fans to be in when Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills are a point of envy for a Bill Belichick coach team. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm envious. I am. I, I, I wish I was a Bills fan. I'm actually adopting the Bills, and I'm, adopt- I'm adopting uh, Josh Allen as my child at this point. That's, that's where I'm at. So good stuff, Henry. Great stuff. I encourage everyone out there to check out Henry's article on Nikhil Harry. Uh, it's a great read. And uh, Henry, good luck. Good luck on Twitter, man. Good luck on all those people coming after you on Twitter. Let me know if you need backup, all right? I am bringing the bag up anytime. <laughs> Join us next week on the Pats Wire podcast. We'll talk to you then. This USA Today sports podcast has been presented by USA Today's sports media group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.